Welcome to the Ruler's World Broadcast. Stay tuned as Pastor William Beckson shares with you insights on how to take dominion on the earth. Oh, let your will be done. Let your glory be revealed. Thank you, Jesus. increase our focus on you, Jesus. We increase our focus on you. We are aware of your mighty presence this morning. We honor you, Holy Spirit of God. We honor you. We acknowledge your presence. You are Lord over our lives. You are Lord in this place. Holy Spirit of God, dish out the counsel of God this morning. Feed fat your people. Establish us. In the understanding, all oh, that you reveal, Lord. Bless every heart in this meeting this morning. Bless every heart. Bless every heart. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Jesus, be magnified. Be revealed in our midst. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Welcome you this morning to the ruler's service. Uh, we want to review God's word this morning. And we want to study God's word. And the reason for the studies is practice. So we walk in the reality of what God's word reveals. So we are eager to know so we can practice. We are eager to know so we can do the word of God. And um, last week we were looking at fleshing out the focus for the year, which is our year of his government, and the golden text that guides this thought um, is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, verse 7. And we also um, give a couple of scriptures uh, to help cement that thought so that there will be no doubt in our minds in terms of the abundance of evidence in the word of God that points to this direction. God wants us to understand without a doubt in our hearts that why Jesus came was to reintroduce the government of God upon the earth again. So once upon a time, God entrusted the government of the earth to his man. And that man broke alliance with God and became subject to the government of darkness, to a foreign government. 
And right from there, God gave a word that he will reintroduce his government into the earth. And so Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 is a prophecy of the desires of God, the dream of God. And we were looking at this text last week, and we were looking at it in the light of the very DNA of the government that Jesus brings, the things that are consistent with the government of Jesus, the things that we, we should expect, the things that we should look out for if a man or a woman is living under the government that Jesus brings. And we saw two key things that are part of the DNA of that government. You can, you can separate it. We saw peace. We saw joy. And in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, the scripture we looked at to help provide more understanding in terms of the DNA of the government of Jesus, uh, we see three key things. We see righteousness, we see peace, and we see joy. And he says, this is the government of God. This is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I want to add a few more um, features, if you will, but these are essential, essential features and that's why we are saying it's, it's the DNA of his kingdom. It's, it's the very construct of the kingdom or the government of Jesus. And so we go back to Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. I read that text to you and I help you see um, some things that cannot be separated from the government of, of Jesus. Uh, here the Bible says, for unto us a child is born. And to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And we're going to take some time to really look at this uh, imagery, you see. Uh, the government shall be upon his shoulder suggests that uh, he will take responsibility for God's government on the earth. When you see this child born and this son given, one of the key things you will see about him is that he takes responsibility for the government of God on the earth. He takes responsibility for the will of God on the earth. He holds himself responsible if God's will will be done on the earth. So we'll take time to really uh, investigate that and see how uh, that applies to us. So the Bible says that the government shall be upon the shoulder of this son who is given. He will be fully responsible for the advancement of the will of God on the earth. And then he says, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7. Of the increase of his government or of the increase of his kingdom is the same. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, 
look at it, to order it. Once you see the government of Jesus in operation, you will see this revelation. He sits upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we are seeing, we're seeing some very powerful uh, revelation of, of the government that Jesus brings. And he says that once Jesus begins to administrate this government, we are going to see how he orders his reign and he orders to establish it with judgment and with justice. Ah, this is so powerful. That means one of the things the government of Jesus cannot stand is injustice. When the government of Jesus sees injustice, it will order it. It will correct it. This will help us understand why, why Jesus healed the sick. Sickness is injustice. That's why Jesus healed. That is why Jesus cast out devils. The reason why he cast out devils is, is because the presence of the demonic is injustice. God will never countenance injustice. It's impossible for the government of Jesus to coexist with injustice. Coexist with the lack of judgment. The word judgment actually means uh, bringing the opinion of God to bear on situations and circumstances. Bringing the opinion of God to bear. The, 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 the view of God. The position of God. The stance of God. So once, once you understand the stance of God, like this is where God stands on this matter, you can understand what his judgment should look like. And so we are told that when Jesus comes bearing the government on his shoulder, he's looking out to ensure that judgment and justice is executed in the earth. The whole earth. The whole earth. The whole earth must line up with judgment and justice. And he says, this is actually the government that he brings. Now, we can find many places where people are striving to establish justice and judgment. And may not even know Jesus. It's possible to find a place, a space, a jurisdiction where justice and judgment is sought. And they may not even have any relationship with Jesus. But it is impossible <laughs> to find the government of Jesus, the government of God, in a place where justice and judgment is overlooked. Please, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that we can find somebody who doesn't even believe in God, who is seeking to establish justice. But if you claim you believe in God, you can't do without justice and judgment. It's impossible. Now, this thing must start from, 
from you. If indeed the government of Jesus will prosper, he must have men and women who understand what the government is about. The government of Jesus is about judgment and justice. So judgment and justice is part of the DNA of his government. That, that's what the government is built upon. Hallelujah. Now, if you hear Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, and he says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. He's already moved into justice. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He has already set up a justice execution team. And if you want to know, that's what prayer seeks to achieve. He says, when you pray, say this. Say your will be done on. That means busy yourself in prayer to ensure that the will of God is done on earth as it is in heaven. That means any issue of injustice is a prayer topic. Do you see injustice in your life? It's an invitation to prayer. The devil has deceived us to complain about injustice. But whenever you see injustice, it's an invitation to prayer. He says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. Your kingdom come. Your government come. Your reign come. Your will, that means once your government comes, we sit as a bulldozer, ensuring that anything that is not your will is bulldozed out of the way. And I want you to take that responsibility, praying that this happens. Injustice and yet grounds for complaints. Injustice is grounds for prayer. Because God is depending on you and I to take it upon ourselves as our responsibility to pray through his will until every injustice is corrected. Corrected. Anopei, I want to invite you because we, we, in this year, we will be setting up this justice execution, execution platform. Where we will, we will busy ourselves and concern ourselves with ensuring that any injustice we see in any ruler, it is our bedding. We take it upon ourselves that that injustice will be corrected. And we are trusting that it will be corrected this year. Because the Bible says, and Isaac sowed in the land, and in that same year, he reaped a harvest. Same year. I've already hinted to you that some of the suffering we are suffering is overdue. We are suffering, how do you call that uh, uh, countenance? The, the, uh, ideally, there shouldn't have been an overdue suffering. 
But it's like Satan has introduced an accrual concept in, in suffering. <laughs> it's either he makes you suffer in advance or suffer in arrears. And I may catch him and say, Yes, Christo, Obedia, Sassinian, Quan, we are seeing Quan, three days no suffering. Whatever the cup of suffering is, when I finish drinking it, there shouldn't be one microsecond beyond that that suffering should persist. That's what I'm saying. Because I see, are you able to drink of this cup? It's a cup of suffering. There is a portion. The Bible says that he suffered, leaving for us an example that we should walk in his steps. So, Paul also can say, they that will live godly will suffer persecution. So there are certain inconveniences that comes to you because of what you believe and your stance. Over and above that, any suffering that is not prescribed should not be entertained by you. And the way you take that up is bearing it up in prayer and ensuring that you execute justice in prayer. The Bible says, and prayer was made by the church to God for Peter without season. That means, it's not as if God will have only one hour if you don't move. Tough luck, but we're too busy for you. We don't serve a slow God. No, they, they took it upon themselves. That they were going to pray until they saw the justice being served. Hallelujah. Many of us have become acclimatized. We have so adjusted. We have lost our anger. We have lost our fight. We have lost our resilience and resistance. We have become, we have become docile. Yabrea mafide brena the only place you find me pray is behind my meal. Turn them in person, poison me, Sanctify this for me, dear Lord Jesus. You've stopped fighting. You've stopped pushing. And you will have you will have many examples of people who prayed that nothing happened. What's the examples? What's the point? I don't want to be added to that statistic. So why pray when it doesn't work? Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to read quite a number of texts. And the reason why I'm bombarding your mind with all these scriptures I'm going to read to you is to help you establish firmly in your heart that God is all about justice, judgment, equity. That's, like, that's God. So that if you find yourself praying or insisting or fighting or advocating or um, positioning yourself to advance that in your space, just understand that you have the backing of God. Just understand that God is on your side just because of your position. You will never find yourself insisting on the will of God and God will be the opposing end. No. That you have set up yourself to ensuring that no injustice thrives in any human body and that's, your, that's what you're going for and you think God is the one delaying it. God is the one not releasing it. No, that's what his whole government is about. 
So when he finds a man who will play ball, when God finds a man who will cooperate with him, the impossible will be done. The impossible will be done. The impossible will be done. So there are two levels to this thought I'm sharing with you. The first, which is what we, we saw in Isaiah 61, we talked about the manifesto of Jesus' government. And uh, can, can we go through that quickly, please? Isaiah 61, 1 to 6. 1 to 6. Isaiah 61, 1 to 6. Help me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Spirit is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. The Spirit is on me and is asking me to do something to the meek. The Spirit is on me and he has empowered me to bind up the brokenhearted. I want you to see that a certain ministry is being carried out and the beneficiary of that ministry is the brokenhearted. And God is the one who is doing something about the brokenhearted. He's not the one who is breaking hearts. Please see this. So your prayer can, can be unleashed. So you can pray with freedom. Not you are praying. You don't know whether is God, is God even interested. Will God, is God? No, no. He's the one who is binding up the brokenhearted. Now, the one saying the spirit is on me is Jesus, the son. And then he, Jesus, the son is saying the Holy Spirit is on me. If you will, two thirds of God is involved in this. And who anointed Jesus with the spirit? The father. So all of God is involved in this. Binding up the broken heart. To proclaim liberty to the captives. So you see, God doesn't want captivity of any form, any kind, any shape, any type. He, God, is proclaiming liberty to the captive. So any form of captivity, God wants you to be free from it. An opening of the prison to them that are bound, any form of bondage, God wants you to be free from it. This is the whole of God. And all he's seeking primarily is for you to be free from brokenheartedness, free from captivity, free from bondage. Anything that looks like bondage, smells like bondage, feels like bondage, he wants you out of it. That's the primary. But he doesn't just want you to be a beneficiary of this. He wants you to become an executor of this. That means when I become free, I am free to free others. When I am loose from my bondage, I am free now to lose others from their bondage. Not to sit for others to say, oh, you are the only free man here. You are, oh, this man there, he's the only free man. No. Jesus is that example. So he came free to free the bound. Do you see it? Jesus is not one of the captives. He's not the one of the bound. But he is free 
And his liberty as a son of the kingdom is to bring liberty to many. So that's the primary for you to be a beneficiary of that. And usually that's what salvation and the finished work of Christ does to a believer. You become a beneficiary. But over and above this, he wants to recruit you, employ you. He wants to handpick you and send you to do that to others. That's when his lordship kicks in. That's when his government kicks in. When you become an official of that government. Going around and ensuring that any injustice is not covered. Any injustice is not winked at. Any injustice is not overlooked. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, year of the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort them that mourn. So you see, he's doing something about them that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called. Who are they? The brokenhearted, the ones in bondage, is they. You see, now they will be called what? The trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. They are no longer bound. They are no longer captives. Look at their new identity now. Trees of righteousness. Planting of the Lord. That he might be glorified. That means he was not glorified in their bondage. He was not glorified in their captivity. It is in their freedom that he is glorified. Look at the next verse. And they shall build. These same people who were bound, who were captives. These same people who were broken hearted. Now they will build the old wastes. Do you see it? You see the transformation from a captive to a builder of old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities. The desolations of many generations. It's they, 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 they. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And he impacts these people so heavily that now they, 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 they. You are one of the day. Who should be building up old ways? Who should be raising former desolations? And you are one of the day who should be repairing waste cities. You must catch that vision. You must catch that vision. That your life will go beyond bread and butter. You must catch. You see, if you see that vision, that vision will now pick you from where you are and take you to where you are seeing it. You've got to see it. You've got to see that your life will be relevant to your city. You've got to see that you will be useful to your nation. You've got to see that you are going beyond feeding your family. This is the vision Jesus puts on the heart of once upon a time captive, bound, brokenhearted. Now he's built capacity in them and they shall build. And they shall raise. And they shall repair. They shall build. They shall raise. They shall repair. They are no longer bound. They are no longer captives. 
So it won't be like this forever. You won't be the one sitting down and preaching to you like this every day. Every, you, you are not called to be a church member. This is not your calling. Every day you are the one listening. No, somebody must be listening to you. Yes. Why? He is building you to be able to deliver his government. All kinds of benefits accrue when we become useful to our cities. He says, strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Ah. When you and I become so relevant, when we become so useful, aliens will be our plowmen and our vine dressers. Instead of just reaching for that, just become a builder of old waste, raise former desolations, repair. And this thing will happen. There is so much we need to cover. And we are going to do that. Because we, we need to lay a firm foundation in our understanding so that every one of us can rise to be this and do this for God. Every one of us. Every one of us. All right. So let me give you a few texts uh, just to firmly establish the reality of this heartbeat of God. Um, Genesis 18, 19. Genesis 18, 19. Just taking you through some texts to flood your heart with evidence. You are set up for this. For I know him. This is God talking about Abraham. For I know him. That he will command his children and his household after him. Look at the result of this. And they shall keep the way of the Lord. What's the way of the Lord? To do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. Uh, give us the next verse, please. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because they are saying it's very grievous. All right. Go back to the previous verse. You see what God said about Abraham. That Abraham, Abraham will ensure that his house. He was literally going to command his house, his children, and his household. To keep the way of the Lord. To do justice and judgment. You see, the way of the Lord is Jesus. Jesus is the way of the Lord. That's why the Bible says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke unto our fathers by the prophet has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So Jesus is the way of the Lord. He's the pattern. He's the template. And so we are seeing a revelation of him in this. And the truth is that Jesus said about Abraham that he saw my day and he rejoiced. There were things that were handed over to Abraham that was beyond Abraham. 
God committed his eternal plan to Abraham. I don't think Abraham understood the full import of what was happening in his life. And one of the key things that made God become so interested in Abraham's life is that Abraham was going to command his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. Because this, this is the heart of God. Justice and judgment is God's heart. This is what moves his heart. We won't have enough time to go through all the texts to see how, how God deals with oppressing the poor. Like, it moves him. Oppression, it moves him. And Abraham had, had become reputable. He had a reputation for justice and judgment. And because of that, God said, you know what? We won't hide this from Abraham. I pray that what matters to God will matter to you. <laughs> I pray that what is important to God will be important to you. I pray that what God deems precious, priceless, will hold the same value to you. You know, one time Jesus was teaching and Jesus said, what men esteem is an abomination to God. Like what men pride themselves about is an abomination. Do you know abomination? So if you don't understand God, you, you will be boasting in something that will kill you. There was a man who was very rich who earned this nickname from Jesus. He called him a rich fool. And the only, only reason why he attracted that description from Jesus was that he was boasting in what God thought, look at this guy. So he says, this night I'll require your life on me. If you and I can discern what means much to God and literally reconfigure our lives to spend our lives along the lines of what God values, ah, you will be God's darling. How can God say that we cannot go and do this thing on the earth without disclosing it to Abraham? We can't, we can't do it without sharing it with him. Because Abraham was a man who was concerned about justice and judgment. And this has everything to do with the government of God, the kingdom of God. Uh, look at verse, uh, chapter 30 of Genesis and verse 6. Uh, let me just read this quickly. Uh, Genesis 30 verse 6. And Rachel <laughs> said, God hath judged me and hath also heard my voice and hath given me a son, therefore called she his name Dan. Uh, another translation actually says, God has done justice to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> God has done, that means as far as as far as Rachel was concerned, it was injustice that she didn't have a son. 
I'm saying this year will correct all the injustice. Believe me, we are going to set a platform and then we'll give ourselves, like, we, we will give ourselves to executing justice. I pray we can go the full hall. Amen. That means we are not going to rest until we see the will of God done. Fili fili. The will of God is done. Fili fili. We will see it. This is the will of God. It's been done as it is in heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 15, please. 2 Samuel chapter 8 verse 15, Job 37, 23. And David reigned over all Israel. And David executed judgment and justice unto all his people. When the Bible says David is a man after God's heart, I tell you, there were certain ingredients in the life of David that made God just... You know, in fact, in the Old Testament, David's reign is a shadow of the reign of Christ. It foreshadows the reign of Christ. That's why in the Isaiah scripture we read, he says, and he shall sit upon the throne of his father, David. And that's what the angel even told Mary. So David captured the reign, the government of Christ, so well that even though the government of Christ predated the government of David because he was slain before the foundations of the earth, you know. But God allowed David's reign to mirror the reign of Christ. And one of the key things that was present in the reign of David was judgment and justice to all his people. That means if there was any injustice anywhere, David rose to bring the justice of God. Job 37, 23, please. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. This is God. As I studied and meditated, I saw that one of the key reasons for, for the power of God is to execute justice. Ah, it's to execute justice. That's why the Bible says the government of God is not in word only, but in power. The kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. That means we need to set ourselves up in a way that we communicate the power of God to, to implement his justice in the earth. That's why Jesus never thought the disciples were ready for executing justice, what we call ministry, without power. So he says, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy You are not ready. Wait for the Holy Spirit before you start this. Because we need the power of God to execute justice. There are many injustices we will find that will not listen to negotiation. It will not listen to advice. We need to deploy the power of God to ensure that that justice is executed. And here Job was saying that God will not afflict, but he was abundant or plenty. Justice is everywhere when you talk about God. Um, in Psalms 82, we know... Maybe let's do Psalms 82 
few verses, but, you know, the, the whole text is interesting reading. He says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly? Do you see it? How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of wicked, of the wicked? Accepting the persons of the wicked is, is injustice. It's like being partial. See, how long would you do this? God was running out of patience for injustice. Look at what God prescribed. Defend the poor. Do something about the poor. Do something about poverty and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. This is God's heart. So if you happen to be this person, this is God's will for you. But once you come out of that, he gives you an assignment to go and do that for others. That, that's, that's what I want us to see in this uh, session this morning. That we could be the beneficiaries of this, but over and above that, which is God's dream, is that you become a career, a dispenser, an executor of the same thing you have benefited from God. Who has heard from you? Since you encountered Jesus and you had this peace, who have you transferred this peace to? The joy you had when you met Jesus, have you ever shared it with anybody? That means you are truncating the process. You are ending what must continue. Psalms 99 verse 4. Deliver. Okay, the king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. See, that's justice, fairness, impartiality. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob, in Israel. He says the king's strength also loveth judgment. God loves judgment. He establishes equity. And he executes judgment and righteousness in Jacob. You see, this is how our society is supposed to look like. We've not gotten into the practice. I just wanted to help you see this. We will look at practice. How this is supposed to show, play out in our spaces. All right. Proverbs 21 verse 3. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to God than sacrifice. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to God than sacrifice. Obviously, we don't believe this. <laughs> many Christians don't believe this. Because there are many things we do to get something to come and sacrifice to God that is, is disqualified. So if we understood that God is interested in justice and judgment more than the sacrifice, I can assure you that uh, many of the testimonies will shrink. Because in that testimony is woven your own schemes. But he, he prefers justice and judgment. Ecclesiastes 5, 8. We close on that. If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, in a space, in a place, marvel not at the matter. Because he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there, there be higher than they. That means, you see, when people get power, they, 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 they fall into the trap of using it to oppress the poor. And violently perverting judgment. So you can have your land and people will use violence 
to take it from you. And in 48 hours, they've built something on the land. Violently perverting judgment. And it's like there's nothing you can what, what can you do? They have power. The Bible says, don't be troubled about that. Don't even marvel. Don't be shocked. Because there is somebody higher than the highest who is regarding the matter. That means, you see, there are many things people think they've gotten away with. Eh? You can't get away with anything that is injustice because God's eye follows that thing himself. He doesn't delegate it to angels. If you are profiting from injustice, you are gathering this thing up and it won't be a blessing. So he says we shouldn't be shocked because there is someone who is higher than those who think they are high who is watching. If there was none like that, then if you have power, you are the ultimate. But it's not so. It's not so. One day he showed up and gave some few lessons to Nebuchadnezzar. And after seven years of chewing grass, he got a lesson very well. <laughs> he so got the lesson that he says, the most high God reigns in the kingdom of men. He reigns. I thought I was the Alpha and Omega, but he reigns. He reigns. Hallelujah. So two things I'm, I'm helping you see today is that the primary ministry is to rid you of the captivity, the injustice, the lack of equity and all that. But God now wants to recruit you to be a voice for the voiceless. God is recruiting you to be the eyes of the blind, to be ears for the deaf. You see, so not only have you benefited from the ministry of Jesus or from his government that set you free from bondage and from captivity and from brokenheartedness, but now he's recruiting you to do same. How many of us quickly forget where we are coming from? How many of us quickly forget that but for the grace of God, you would have been a house help now? And you have one now and you, it's like you're, you're in heaven. There is somebody higher than you who is watching. Let's start from the house. Let's move it to our offices. Let's move it to the people we deal with. God's government has a DNA, a signature, a fingerprint. It's righteousness, peace, joy. It's justice, it's equity, it's judgment. That's the fingerprint of the government of Jesus. So if I claim I am under his government, I must advance what the government stands for. The government stands for equity, stands for justice, stands for judgment. And so my life must advance that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we will set up a platform to give ourselves completely, completely to executing justice, the will of God. Jesus didn't tell his disciples to be going around town with placards and say, we know go agree, we know go agree. Say, when you pray, say, if the will of God is not being done on earth as it is in heaven, he says it's a prayer matter. It's a prayer matter. That means through prayer, there are things we will lay hold of that we can now effectively do something about the situations we're dealing with. Through prayer. It's not just complaining like I said earlier. So, this year, if indeed we are saying it is a year 
of his government implied in that is that we have to become powerful people. Yes. Because his government is not in word. His government is in power. There are many things will come across that will only bow to power. There are many things will come across in this year that will only give way when we, we show power. When we say, by the power of God, you have to line up. And that's what Peter and the apostles said. Guys, if we will continue prospering in this justice business of Jesus, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. It's something we will give ourselves to. Now, you may not be You know, usually when we say this, it's, it's as if, no, but me too, God has called me to do something. We want you to do that thing from this platform we are talking about. So this year, we have to give ourselves a lot more to prayer and praying than we've ever done. Because what we are dealing with is government. And government already is conflict because there is no vacuum. For you to reign here, it means some, some other government must be displaced. So when you see Jesus casting out a devil, it's conflict. What it means is that there has to be displacement for, for Jesus' government to reign. And that is a power thing. It's an authority thing. So men and women must be willing to offer themselves, give themselves over completely, completely. So we have to go beyond quiet time and, and take leave to pray. Your leave is not to go to Hawaii. Your leave to, is to explore because it is on earth as it is in heaven. So if I don't know what it is there, I can't enforce it here. So you take a leave as a tourist to explore there so that when you come back, you can say, I saw this here, it's not here. I bring it here. I saw this here, it's not there. Go. I saw that there, it's not here. I bring it here. That, that's what we've got to do. So it's not as if you ask for me, I don't have the gift of prayer. Gift yourself. Because it's government we are talking about. It's government. Maybe in a, in, a, in a way you will understand. I won't usually say that, but in a way you will understand this is war. Hallelujah. It's war. Hallelujah. The broken hearted, the captive, the bound, those mourning. It's not as if they woke up in the morning and said, today I want to mourn. As for today, I want to be bound. You see that, that thing we read in Isaiah 61? It's not as if somebody said, today I want to be in the spirit of heaviness. Or today I choose to be ashes. No. Things happened. Things happened. Things happened. And that's why you and I, if indeed we must execute justice, we must do that with the government of God. And there is a call for prayer. 
So, as I said, we'll set up those platforms. And it will be an ever-burning because I say, of the increase of his you know, there shall be no end, isn't it? It's a never-burning. So, it's not like we have started, we have closed. Though. You come in and out. You come in and out. You come in and out. But there will be a raging platform that is just supplying incense. Because we just want to see justice in your life. You are the first audience of this or beneficiary of this. And then when we are empowered, we can also do it for others. I pray for you today in the name of Jesus that these two levels of ministry will take place in your life. First, you will be a beneficiary of Jesus, what Jesus brought. And number two, you will be a distributor of what Jesus brought. And we are taking counsel from what he told his disciples because they came to him and said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. They waited for him to come from a prayer session and they said, teach us to pray. You've taught us everything, but this one you've not taught us. You do this alone on your own. Bring us into the same economy. What is it about this thing that you are the only one who is doing it? You've not taught us. Teach us to pray. And he says, when you pray, say. When you pray, say. When you pray, say. So he brought them into it. And these fishermen, do you know once upon a time, Peter raised a dead child. No fisherman raises dead people. We'll, we'll talk about this. Because the Lord was speaking very strong to me about these issues. What can you do? That's what life is about, I tell you. What can you do? What can you do? Can you cleanse lepers? Can you raise the dead? Hallelujah. So we need to increase what we can do. We believe you've been blessed. For further inquiries, contact Kingdom Expression Ministries Worldwide on 0201-300-400 or visit our website, www.kingdomexpression.org. Follow us on social media at Kingdom Expression. You can locate us at South Oyarifa, 300 meters from the Ankunam Junction.